God is good. Man. This, this week the weather was crazy. On Friday was cold and Thursday was really, really hot. And the, yesterday got a little in between, but today is sunny and everything. I feel something's biting me. <laughs> Let me just pray once. Father, just come right now once again in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for the breath you give us. We thank you for the sun and the moon and everything you grant in our lives. We give you glory, God. As you come as a community to come and worship you, not in the church, but outside, in, 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 a, in a park. And, and Father God, as you come as a community, that's we are saying, every part of this world belongs to you. You are worthy to be honored and glorified. Not only in the four walls of the church building, but also in every part of our lives. We love you, we honor I ask right now that you will use me and that you will be with me and that your word will come forth in power and grace and, and to tra transform our hearts and lives. That we will encounter and see you and love you, God. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. My goal is to be shorter than usual. That doesn't say much because sometimes I go long. But anyhow, uh, just a couple of things and let me just start off. Why are we here? Why do we take time to come out once, a, once a in the fall, have an outdoor picnic and worship and things? To be honest, as a church, over the years I see when you, whenever you go outside of church and worship, your offering drops. But, you know, it's, it's not a really help, it's help, helpful for the church in some ways. But there are a couple of reasons anyway. It is a beautiful day. You know, and I would love to be outside, then inside the building. And, and I think probably the one other thing, it's almost like a family outing you do. I don't know if you do family outings a lot. I see more and more because a lot of us have little kids. I see pictures on Instagrams of people going to the, you know, the petting zoos and all kind of things. <laughs> right? I, I saw some of your Instagrams yesterday. And anyhow, meaning that as a family, church is a family, as a family going on outing together. It's a, such a great thing. Also, it's a reminder that church is not a building. It's not about the space. It's not a space thing. It is a people thing. And we are rem being reminded that church, we are, look, we are reminded to consider church outside of the box. And that our, our life in God is not relegated to two hours a Sunday in a building, but every part of our lives. I don't know how your week was this week, and it was an interesting week for me. And some of your kids are going back to, have been back to school second week, so things are becoming more routine, right? And there were, by the way, I had a, there were a powerful event happened yes, Friday and Saturday in, in, in D.C. in the Washington Mall. And I didn't, and I sort of knew about it, but I have never been to this thing called David's Tent. I think over, I think last probably eight to ten years, there a lot of people have been coming to more to pray for the country. And, and, the, and I think 9-11, 2015, the people came and really set up a tent in D.C. It used to be in front of the White, in front of the White House. And they were put 24-7 uh, throughout the year praying for the nation, praying for the leaders, praying for uh, this, the well-being of this nation. And now they are, are settled in Medicine Avenue and 7th Street, nice tent. 
and they've been praying for the nation. So at that tent this Friday and Saturday, and I think this uh, Wednesday they celebrated uh, 9-11, uh, 18th, uh, the 18th anniversary of 9-11, uh, and, and Thursday and fr Friday they began this revival meeting with the North Georgia revival people, Pastor Todd and Marty coming up. And I had to go and help with them. And so we were there, and uh, the crowd was not as big as people expected, but it was significant that we were praying for the nation. I don't know how often do you pray as a people of God to pray for the nation. I do not know. To be honest, I don't pray as much as I should. And I'm reminded that there are people who are really praying for the nation together. And, and, and because one of the promises in, in, in the Word of God is 2 Chronicles chapter 7, if my people who are called by my names humble themselves and pray and seek His face, Bible God says He will heal from heaven and forgive us our sins and heal our nation. There is a promise when God's people not everybody else, but God's people begin to humble themselves and seek God's face and pray. God will heal our nation. There are people doing this. It was really significant to see, to see that. It was, it was a good event. Loved it. I, and I also got a free t-shirt. You know, about 100 people drove up from, uh, drove and flew up from Georgia. And they all had a black t-shirt. Okay, let me show you my t-shirt. They gave me a t-shirt. Um... They gave me a t-shirt, right? Isn't that nice? It was so cold on Friday night, I need to have a double layer, so I put it on. It was good. Uh, anyway, it was an amazing time to see people. Actually, yesterday, by the time yesterday we were leaving, and after the message went out, they were praying, uh, praying and being, people were being baptized. You saw some people from the street coming in. I saw this guy, uh, I think his name was David. Homeless guy, tall guy with the hair, like never washed. Got baptized on Friday night, got baptized yesterday. And we saw uh, yesterday uh, some another homeless guy walking by and got baptized. He was being prayed for. He was knocked out on the street by the power of God. He's weeping or not. He got baptized. God was doing some things. Not just Christians are coming by, but people on the, in the mall walking and coming in. And God was doing, and I think one of the guys had a cancer. He was being prayed for. God was touching him powerfully in the water. I do not know whether he was healed or not, but, but I saw God moving and touching people. It was a good time. But anyhow, there was one news that really rocked a lot of us, uh, some Christians, and a lot of Christians who heard it. There is a 30-year-old pastor named Jared Wilson from California, 30 years old who died by suicide on Monday. I believe it was a day after, I think day after, I think, uh, suicide awareness prevention, a, a day, I think they said it, and that, that day after, he died by suicide. But the thing is that he was, who, who, has, who has been a very powerful voice about this mental illness and, and, and all these depressions and all kind of things. He spoke often about it, he wrote books about it, and he has championed all this for long, many, many years. But he struggled with his own personal struggles in mental illness from young. He struggled with it. And he he um, died by suicide. And uh, many people were 
was on, on mine. It was really uh, something that we thought about. And we, I've been reading about it a little bit. And, you know, and the, uh, something, to be honest, something that we as a church has not addressed a lot at all. Enough, I should say. We have not addressed it enough. Because you know what? Just like most of us, the mental illness thing is a scary thing. I don't know what to do kind of thing. Really, that's what it was. I remember it was like almost, almost five years ago when one of, one of our brothers went into a depression and went into struggles. I asked whether I can talk about him. He said, okay. So when he went through the struggle, I didn't know what to do. And you know, we, we were out of ways. It took a lot of time. I remember um, one night that he disappeared and, and it was the coldest day. It was a raining, cold winter rain and he didn't have a jacket on. He, he, was not, he went out. Couldn't find him for day, um, days. I remember driving all, I mean, and we, I got his mom and reported to the police department. And we were looking all over the place for, and, and, and I tell you, I was driving everywhere. I was just, I was, I was wrecked. And found him in three days later in our old church building and a, in, a, in a closet, warming himself. I remember since then, <laughs> yes, yes. I remember, and, and that it was so difficult because before that he was, you know, he would not come out of his room. He sleep 20, 20, about over 20 hours a day. And I remember how we would go and visit him like throughout the week. I'll go like three, four times a week and I'll, I got to keep him. His mom opened the door and went in and woke him up and took him out by force. Take him out to have a breakfast. I thought him. We went to um, uh, the Ikea to have a breakfast. We'll have a breakfast. I'll take him to Hope Room and pray. we'll pray. We'll do things together. I don't know what to do. I pray, but I don't know what to do. So we just, we just hang out. We just ate. You know, and then after that, I said, you read the Bible. You pray in that room. And we were in the room. Anyway, we did that for a while. But it, it was a long struggle. Two, three years minimum. And had to go to hospital a number of times or not. This mental illness is not an easy thing. It's a scary thing. We don't know how to deal with it. You know, and... and but the thing is that this, but this is not anything new. Most of us know someone. Most of us, in some, have seen people and, and, and related to people who are and, and struggle with this thing. And it's a men, mental illness. And some of us actually might struggle with the mental illness as well, in some degree. But as a church, we have not really talked about it at all. It's because it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing. And yet, if you just feel so helpless, you don't know what to do with it. It's not just pray and you know, just pray a lot and God will heal you. That may happen sometimes, but often that, that's not how it is. And, and we are learning. The reason I mention it because in midst of all this in the things, and I've been listening and, and reading a little bit about um, some of the uh, people are addressing these issues. And God has really placed few things in my heart. I want to share that a little bit. I don't know if, this is really not a message, but a reminder of who we are. That's really what I want to do this morning. And what, I just want to remind you, some of you may not remember, one of our vision and calling as a Hope Church is to become and grow and become and be a community that lives out biblical values. That we want to raise up and we want to grow up as disciples of Jesus Christ. Bringing hope in this world. We are called to be hope. We are called to be hope bringers. And many in this world, many, you know, live without hope. And hope is really difficult to find. 
Hope is lacking. We are called to be hope bringers. In the midst of that, actually, I was listening to Chris Valentin and, and Greg Laurie and other people talk, address this issue a little bit. Very interesting thing that I heard, and nobody ever, I, have, I have heard nobody ever say this. Did you know that Jesus had suicidal thoughts? Don't think about it. When, remember when Jesus was tempted in the, in the wilderness for 40 days? What was the second temptation? Devil come and take him to the top of the pinnacle of the temple and say, if you jump, that's a suicidal thought. Jump and God will save you. And actually, Chris Madison thought this as a, you know, Jesus was having some suicidal thoughts. Not this, not, not this, this suicidal thoughts are from himself. But, you know, and you know other, definitely other people in the Bible who went through different suicidal thoughts. We know about Elijah. Definitely, you know, about, you heard about Elijah. And I have given many messages on Elijah too. How Elijah, after major victory with uh, uh, false prophets and false idol worshippers, after huge uh, battle and victory, and the queen Jezebel threatens, I'm going to kill you by tomorrow. And he's afraid. The Bible says Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. First Kings chapter 19. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah. He left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. This mighty prophet who just had a powerful, powerful victory said, he said, in a guy, he, he had thought he might die. He literally says, he says to God, I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than any ancestors who have already died. He, has, he had thoughts of death after victory and all this. There are others in the Bible like prophet Jonah wanted to die. And there are many who in the Bible who are mighty men, mighty men and women who had suicidal thoughts and some issues, mental issues we have. And they, this is not anything new. This is, happens or, or, or around in the world as well, even in our lives as well. But somehow we have never really addressed it as, as we should. We should, have, we should become better at it. To learn as a people of God how to encourage. God put few thoughts in me. And before I do that, I'll share that. Uh, one of the things that Kay, uh, um, Kay, uh, Kay Warren, who is the wife of Rick Warren, the, you know, we, we have done the uh, four days of prayer this year and wrote a writer of um, 40, days of, uh, 40 Days of Purpose Driven Life. Their, their son, 2013, killed himself. And she was taught, and she, out of the place, she, they began to do a lot of things, teach and, and encourage people. And she, one of the things she said in, in, in the midst of a, a talks about, in the, I think uh, Jerry Wilson's memorial service, they had it this week. She mentions some of the things they found among the survivors of suicide say. They didn't really want to die, but they just wanted the pain to stop and go away. It was that they wanted to kill themselves, but they wanted the pain to stop and go away. And one of the things that, number of things that in a talk that came about was, I think even in the case of Elijah, when the death thoughts came, he was alone, isolated himself. I don't know what it is in our life when things are difficult, when it's hurting. We like to go in a corner. Almost like a wounded animal, go in a corner and lick your wounds. 
when it, when when we when it when that is the time when we really need to reach out. It's okay to ask for help. It is right to ask for help. It is a good thing to ask for help because God has designed the God's people not to live alone. On a, on, the church was not a second thought church. The community of God's people, a family of God was not an afterthought. It was the core of God's plan for humanity. God's desire. And we believe that as a, as a church, we are called to be a family. Unique, different kind of family. Family where our God is a, a father of this house. We live with God, we dwell with God. And this is a different kind of community. And I believe God is doing that. And, you know, and it's okay to reach out for help. It's right to ask for help. It's good to ask for help. I remember uh, when Anna, my daughter, was, Anna was getting married uh, already six years ago. Uh, when I was in Hawaii, just getting ready for the wedding. That, that wedding was on Saturday, that Thursday. One of, one of my favorite uh, uh, writer, Christian writers, Max Lucado, was there. But his wife was there. And they were having us some talk that Thursday night. In the midst of all that, and something that, uh, something that, Kay, uh, that, that his wife, Mexican's wife said was really helpful. And when, when she was having a difficult time as a pastor's wife, very difficult time, and she decided one day, I'm not going to just hide it. And one Sunday when she came to church, people said, how are you, do- how are you doing? She said, not, not well. Begin to open up. Because you know, when, when you say, how are you doing? You're supposed to say, I'm okay. You walk away, no. She said, no, I'm not doing okay. She begins to say, I'm not doing okay. I need help. The pastor's wife, when I say, I be open up and say, I need help. And they begin, she began talking. And that's the beginning of her healing process. You know, it's the pastor's wife talking about this. You see, we may need spiritual help. We need medical help. We, will, we may need soul, psychological help. And, and, and Chris Valentin, one of the main leaders at Bethel Church, he talks about how about nine months he went through this huge uh, mental breakdown where he, out of the, he wrote a book. And there he said, for him, the thoughts of suicide was not just a thought. For him, it was a demonic. Because it was a thought that came into him with the power to actually make him do it. He realized it was more, it was more than a thought. It was actually a force that is in him that actually make him to do this thing. So he had to be, and one of the process where he needed to realize, this is not my voice. This is not from God. And he took nine months to struggle, and, and he was free from that thing. And people's struggles are different. Some of it might be just thought, some of it might be demonic thing as well. But anyway, we are, we are reminded, I'm reminded, we are called to be a family. We are family. And when family says, I need help, it's okay, it's, I need help. I need help. When your when your family, what you do, and your, one of your when one of your family members hurting, you don't let them in, live in the room by yourself. You bring them out. Come on, How, come on, let's talk. Come on, let's eat together. You talk. That's what family does. So God was reminding me about at least one of one of the answers. One of the answers. One of the things that God wants us to do as a people of God was that to, for us as a community, we are an answer. We are called to be an answer to some of, and, and not an, uh, just an answer. We are called to be God's one of the major instruments of people being healed. We are called to be a family. When when one of our one of our family members hurt, we do not just let it go. We we 
Go after it. We fight for that thing because we care for each other. This is what the family is about. It's not okay to see one of our brothers and sisters, you know, hiding away in, in pain. I'm not saying this. We need, we need to be going, literally get a key, open the door, walk, wake them up, take them out. Take them up for breakfast. Let's talk because that's not who God made us to be. Let me read a passage in Acts chapter 4, verse 32 to 35. It says, And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and none of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And abundant grace was upon them. Look at, listen to this verse, next verse. For there was, there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of the land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet. And they would be, distribu they would be distributed to each as any had need. I'm not reading this to say you need to sell your things to give it to church. That Pastor Mimi and I can be, have a better salary. I'm not saying anything, any of those souls. I'm not, okay? That might be nice, but I'm, I'm not saying any of those. But the thing is that here, what the thing that really gets me is that in the Word of God, when Holy Spirit comes, when God begins to change people's heart, one of the first things that happens is that we care for each other to the point I'm willing to sacrifice to help each other, care for each other. So one of the things I learned as a, when I was a young, young Christian was that often I want to help, but I don't know what to do. I do what I call minister presence. It just means, it just means be there with them and they're hurting. Be there with them and they're hurting. That's all. But that's what Jesus did. When our Lord Jesus Christ and our God saw us, us human humanity in pain and sickness that we are, we are being destroyed, what did He do? He left heaven's glory, came and become be with us. And He was willing to give up everything to uh, uh, set us free. He was willing to give up everything to help us. That's who our God was. That's what it is. Being willing to be there for somebody who, uh, because we care. Just being there. I still remember, I feel, I, 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 and I, let me do a little bit of this myself, okay? I feel good about this thing. I don't know what, what came over me. I think it was uh, three years ago, you know, I, my wife and I, we flew out to California for this, uh, uh, the prayer gathering in, 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 in Anaheim, I believe, I think, California. And, and that, that, that time, one of our friends, Pastor Bob, was having very difficult time in Northern California in Reading. It's about a 10-hour drive. And, and, and actually, and, and actually, my wife wasn't there. Actually, Pastor Bruce was there with me, and I felt like I should go up and see him. So I drove, and Pastor Bruce and I, we drove up ten hours to see Pastor Bob for two hours, and we drove, drove back down, and then we, I flew back home. Just drove up ten hours just to be with my friend. I have no answers. This is a prophetic guy, mighty man of God. He's going through a difficult time. I just sat there with him in a restaurant. I said. Give me a hand. He's like, you know, guys holding hands, right? He was, he was so uncomfortable. And, and I, just, I, just want, I, I just want to hold your hand. Okay? A little uncomfortable, right? He was uncomfortable. He's like, he's like, a little weird. Right? And, and so it's like, you know, because he used to teach us. Bob used to teach a long time ago. Put your hand in the hand of somebody else. So I told him, 
Do you have somebody who will, who will be who, who who is willing to come and hold your hand? Just say, "Hey, I care about you." I don't have any answers. I'm not even. I'm not, I don't have any answers. I don't have any prophetic words or anything. I'm just here because I care about you, brother. Just here because I care about you. I just drove up ten hours just to be with him and say that, "Hey, I'm your friend." And drove back ten hours. We came back home. I didn't do anything special. I just be there, be there because I care about you. Isn't that what the Bible says? In Romans it says, weep it with those who weep, weep. And rejoice with those who weep. That's what loving is. And I believe God is calling and reminding me at this time when many are struggling through mental illnesses. It's okay to say, I need help. If you're, if you're going through some of these struggles, you say, it's, okay, it's good and right for you to say, I need help. Secondly, if you're not going through uh, some mental issues, whatever it is, it, it is, I want to encourage you. You go be there. Be there with Him. We don't, we don't have to have all the answers. Just be there. I care about you. I'm going to pray for you. Let's see, let's see if we can find some answers together. Just being there first and willing enough to even sacrifice for their sake to help. That's what early church did. They, they even sold their properties to help others in need. That's what community is about. I believe that's what God has called Hope Church to be. We will bring hope to this world. But we, we one at a time, care for people around us enough to be there and encourage and be there and pray. If we need, I'll write a check. I'll just help out that way too. Whatever it might be, that's what it is. We start by doing ourselves first here. Jesus says, new commandment I give unto you, you love one another just as I've loved you. By this, the whole world will know that you are my disciple, disciple if you love one another. Just, just reminded. The reason we are out here, this this. Nice day to worship is to say we are family. Families have fun together. Families eat together. Families talk together. Right? But I, I, just, I just want us to have fun, get to know each other better, and grow as a people. Okay, we'll learn to be what God called us to be. Amen? Yes. I'm almost done. Let me see if I, anything else I forgot. There's a lot of things I didn't get to say. Okay. okay. Uh, I'm going to have uh, one of my brothers come and help me. Okay. There's a song, there's a song that God has put in my heart to hold this week. It's called, you, you know the song, Who You Say I Am. How many, you, you know the song. Have you heard it this way? Who You Say I Am. I know our kids sing it. I am who you say I am. God is really convicting me. Because I think some of the struggles we have in this world is that we hear a lot of voices that said, I'm not good enough. You are, you are not doing okay. I am not what people say that I am because they don't know who I am, really. I am not what the Word says I am because the Word does not know who I am. I'm not even what I think I am because my emotions change. Can go up and down. But I am more than what I feel. I am what God says that I am because He knows me the best. Amen. Not only that, what God says, when God says, you, I am who He says I am, when God speaks who I am, 
He's not just speaking. He's actually, something is happening. In, in Genesis 1, when God created heaven and the earth, Spirit of God was hovering the earth, creating things. When God speaks, the Word of God goes and begins to create things. Create things which is not there yet, He will create things. That's what it means that God speaks. When God speaks, I'm more than who I am. And, and, and who I was. And God is creating something else in me. So I am who He says that I am. So I really think a lot of, a lot of us who struggle with mental issues, we need to be secure in who we are before God. How God sees us. We will be strengthened to think right. Get our bearing straight. I am who God says that I am. Amen. Amen. I want us to sing this once. And after that, I'm gonna, I want to pray a prayer over all of us.